What's up, everybody? I'm Steph. And I'm Mari. We are two licensed professional counselors in the state of Wisconsin, and this is the Rewriting Her Story podcast, a mindset podcast for everyone. Here we'll discuss daily issues we face ourselves, struggles our clients are having, and ways to tackle everyday life, and whatever else comes up. We take a no-bullshit approach while still being empathetic and supportive. Let's Let's fucking fucking go. go. Go, 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 go. Sorry. Do we just start here? I was going to say, do you want me to do the intro or do you want to do it? But I was just going to say, welcome back. Okay. No, I was just going to say, welcome back. I hope he just puts all that in just <laughs> so people understand how fucking awkward I am. Anyways, yeah, welcome back. Hello. <laughs> Hello, and welcome back to Rewriting Her Story, a mindset podcast for everyone. I love that you sounded just like like <laughs> you were on the radio, like, hello, and welcome <laughs> to Smooth Jazz. I'm trying really hard. I know. I love it. I love the effort. So. Welcome to Whispers in the Dark. <laughs> With your host, Mary and Stephanie. Um, so, let's chat. I feel like this is something that we need to do right now. This is so frickin' important. We need to talk about how to survive in a pandemic, dude, because I have so many clients, so many friends, so many people struggling right now to really just get their footing. And here's the crazy part, right? Like, this has been going on for almost a fucking year, bro. Like, almost a year. I remember last year... I had clients who had like really big fucking trips being canceled and they were like devastated and my birthday is in March. And so I celebrated my birthday in like quarantine last year. And I was like, oh, this is weird. Like, I just thought it was like something that was going to pass. Obviously it hasn't. I do remember like in the very beginning of shutdown, every like two weeks, they would extend an order or move a mandate. And I remember every those two weeks being like, okay, we're going to get out of this. We're going to be okay. It's going to be fine. And then them doing whatever that they did and looking at Jeff and being like, we're never going to get out of this. Like we're never going to make it. And it's not in the sense like that I'm worried about getting it or that I, that like, I don't have a fear of the virus. I think that there were moments and points where it was definitely heightened, but it was more so like, Looking at it from a therapist standpoint, I was like, how am I going to continue to say the same thing? And not? I don't have answers for these people. I don't have answers. I don't know what to tell them. We're all in the same boat. So hopefully, like, we can talk about just, like, camaraderie together of, like, we're in this together. But I just was like, how am I going to keep going to work and telling these people what I don't, I don't know. Right. And here's the thing. You know, when we talk about mindset work and thought challenging, how do you challenge somebody by them saying, I'm terrified? fight of this virus. That's mm-hmm. a really valid fucking concern. Valid. Right? Like for all of the underlying issues that could make COVID worse, me telling somebody like, oh, if you get it, it's not going to be a big deal. A, that's incredibly invalidating. B, that's not true. I don't know that. Legit. I'm not a medical professional. Because right? honestly, some people like, oh my God, I don't have taste and smell. That's so crazy. Um, Let's film me taking shots of like vodka or pickle juice or hot uh-huh. sauce or all these crazy things. And then some people are literally getting it and a week later they're dead. So I can't sit here and say, like, you're going to be fine. It's going to be okay. So when we're talking about that thought work of it's more so taking a step back and reframing of, like, let's look at radical acceptance here, which is a pretty difficult skill in DBT Mm -hmm. to master. However, super important of, like, understanding the situation that we are in right now is what we have to accept. We can't change that. So how do we make this moment, this interim better until we get to hopefully the other side and the other side, let's reframe that too. The other side is not going back to quote normal unquote. Yes. There is no normal anymore. I think 
being 11 months into this, we can all say together that our world, our, you know, at least the United States will drastically be changed. However, that doesn't mean that it has to come from a negative place. I can remember being just, if I'm being honest and like vulnerable, I can just remember being completely emotionally exhausted as a therapist, whether it was the pandemic or the riots that happened in my hometown or in Minnesota or wherever else they were happening or the election. Like, and I get Like, these are really big things that people want to process and talk about. But, for example, so when the riots happened in Kenosha, that was hard for me to fathom because this is my home. My whole life has been here. My damn near 37 years of life has been here. And so Mm -hmm. seeing my city up in flames and knowing that this shit happened where I live, I was like, I don't know how to process this myself, so how can I support somebody else? And I did the best that I could, and I was very honest with them of, like, dude, this is hard for me too, right? And I was vulnerable. And I was like, I'm a human too. Like, this is hard. Um, but also honoring where they're at and knowing that I am that person to hold space for them. And I made that choice as a therapist. And so knowing that that is part of what I have to do is how I kind of get through that. Absolutely. And I, to second that of, I don't live in Kenosha, I live in Racine. However, counseling people from Kenosha and watching you go through it. And my other friend, one of my best friends, Steph, lives there as well. I have so many Stephs around me. It's the craziest thing. I didn't know she thing. lived by me. Yeah, she, she lives, I well, I don't need to say that on the podcast. <laughs> I just mean I didn't know that she lived in the same town. Yes, I like. I was like, yeah, I was literally going to explain. Her address is, actually. (laughs) Everyone was going to go. Oh, my gosh. So, learning curve, learning curve, second episode, learning curve. Um, (laughs) You shouldn't discuss where people live. That's what I love about this. That's We're so just, yeah, this is me. Um, This is mindfulness. This is understanding what's happening in the moment. Yes. So, she lives there (laughs) and I didn't even it just didn't even cross my mind to check on her but I also know that I was holding a lot of emotional space and energy for a bunch of other people but it definitely it's so crazy watching it be so close to home and then with that on top of quarantine so basically what I think and want us to tackle is how do we handle these giant emotions and stomaching them for such a long period of time because I think everyone was like, okay, if I can make it two weeks, if I can make it to the next point, if I can do it to the next point, and then it was like, we're okay, it's nine months in, what are we doing? Wrap it up. <laughs> so I think what's really scary and sad too, and, and we know this because we're professionals, is like the suicide rates were skyrocketing last year because people just couldn't handle being alone or people couldn't handle not knowing or people couldn't Mm -hmm. like whatever the reason like those rates skyrocketed and what's really interesting to me is despite excuse me it being such a stressful time like our clientele dropped pretty dramatically at work and we're like this is so weird but it was completely out of anybody's control because a lot of it had to do with insurance companies and the behind the scenes shit that people don't know about when it comes to therapy so it's not like they weren't seeking out treatment they weren't allowed to get it because insurance wouldn't pay for it so like there's all these reasons why people couldn't get the help that they needed Mm -hmm. um which is sad it's unfortunate i also think too of like being on um, doing telehealth is completely different than being in person. In person, you have that that energy, those auras, those emotions that you can read that body language. Being in front of a computer screen and also whether or not people's homes are safe or they're comfortable sharing what they yes. share with us in therapy at home. Um, I've yep. had many clients be like, I just don't have any privacy at home. I don't have the ability to 
to sit here and share and open up and talk about, and rightfully so, because they may be struggling with people in the house. Absolutely. Um, so they can't necessarily share or open up or they don't have the space. Um, so that was a whole nother issue. I think the first step in like looking at where we are is recognizing what emotion you're feeling, like where it's coming from and getting to the root of it. And I think a lot of people in this moment, it was like not being able to control, like not being able to say, yes, not being able to control their situation or what was going on. And so how, how do we change it? What does that look like for us? And I think that's honestly what like caused so many spirals, right? Because anxiety is spiraled by a sense of not feeling in control, right? And like, not having control over what's happening, what you're thinking about, what you're doing, X, Y, Z. Like, in a pandemic, we have no control over that, right? right? Like, we don't control whether or not we're on shutdown. We don't control whether or not we have to wear a mask. That's Mm -hmm. not – I mean, yes, like, you can choose not to wear one. That's a whole different conversation. But not feeling like you have the ability to make the decision to not go out sucks. Absolutely. And – just not even being able to, like, because even if you had been exposed to COVID or things like that, I think that was when some of my clients struggle the most is like, okay, if I, if I can't, like, I understand that, you know, whatever, I'll stay home. But then having that, that thought process of like, okay, I've been exposed. I need to stay home. Like I literally cannot. Then that's where it also incited that panic of like, oh my God, I have to be in my house for two weeks. How am I going to do this? Blah, blah, blah. So I think the important part is recognizing that when we are in these situations, our primitive brain comes online and is like, how do we stay alive? Like, we have to stay alive. We've got to stay alive. We've got to be in the herd. We've got to stay alive. We've got to make sure that we're doing everything that we need to do to make sure that we are going to make it out of this. When in reality, our primitive brain doesn't understand we're in the present moment. So, like, we're not fighting woolly mammoths anymore. We're not. Those saber tooth tigers <laughs> running around. Not around the corner. It would be really cool to see them. However again, not really happening. And it can't differentiate in between that. Even if we are alone, even if that we, um, don't have a support system, it will make things difficult. However, it does not automatically equal that death sentence as it did back Mm -hmm. when we were dealing with woolly mammoths and saber-toothed tigers. (laughs) I had this conversation with a client, um, earlier last week, actually. So they were talking about feeling lonely, Mm -hmm. like, relationship-wise lonely, like romantic relationship and friendship-wise, right? Because they can't be in person because they are actually across, like, overseas. And so their lockdown is way more strict than the States. And so we were talking about online dating, and their response was, I just didn't like doing it in the past. Like, I couldn't get that connection, blah, blah, So I was like, all right, I'm going to play devil's advocate, and I'm going to reframe this for you. In the past when you did it, you had the option to go on dates with people. Right now you do not. So in order to cope with the situation, you can do one of two things. You can continue to not do online dating because of your past experience, or you can reframe it and say, well, this is my only source of contact right now. So if a Zoom date is all I can do, maybe I'll take advantage of that, right? So it's just realizing what your perception is and how that relates to your reality because you have control of how you are going to view that situation, whether it seems like you do or not. Oh, absolutely, 100% agree with that of so many people being like, well, this is where I'm at and this sucks and I've got to do this. And so the reason or the purpose I bring up of like, we're all in this together. And that was such a like slogan in the beginning of the March, April quarantine of like, we're in this together, we're together. Mm -hmm. And then that quickly flipped of like, let me out of my damn house. (laughs) If we can go back to that, we're all in this together and understanding that each of us are going through the same thing. It may look different in certain situations, but if you boil it down, we are in the same boat. So how do we come together and understand and have 
empathy and just discussions behind that of like, what can I do or what's going on in my home where I could help somebody else? And how can I have or ask of my support system of how they can meet me somewhere? Um, and then the, I wish we could go back to this part of quarantine too, of where everyone was just kind of helping each other out of like, Oh, I'm going to go drop off a porch gift or I'm going to go, you know, you know, bring someone a coffee. Um, just because that was just showing that that care and support and checking in. And I think that we don't realize how important that is now being 11 months in and it really putting a strain on a lot of people um, and them experiencing super high levels of anxiety. Well, and I think, again, like you had mentioned before, understanding that we're not going to, quote unquote, go back to normal. Right. right? Like our normal is not going to look like it did. Correct. And that's both sad and it just kind of is what it is, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think of things like, oh my God, if I can never go to a Cubs game again, like, that's going to be really sad. Or if I can never go to a live concert again, it's going to be really sad. Those are speaking in absolutes. Mm-hmm. Those are cognitive distortions, right? Using right. the words always and never. I don't know that that's never going to be an option. Mm-hmm. I don't know that. I'm like, you know, mind reading that that's a thing. But when we're stuck in the house and in our own head, we tend to spiral very quickly of all these like possibilities of what is or what could be or what has been or whatever. And that's where like the magic has to happen of the thought challenging and being present and mindful of what you're currently experiencing and what you currently have control over. So just to recap, to move on to the next part. So we're looking at first, let's identify the root of where this emotion is coming from. Let's identify with what is really showing up for us. Is it the loneliness? Is it the feeling of the lack of control? Is it um, fear, like that health anxiety of like hypervigilance? Oh my God, am I going to get this? What's going to happen? Are my kids going to get it? What, what are we boiling that down to? And then look at the cognitive distortion we're making of like, are we speaking in absolutes? Are we catastrophizing? Are we taking it to the extreme? And now looking at what can I do beforehand to help make sure that I'm not going into these like crisis survival mode type situations. So whenever I talk about coping skills with clients, it's like, okay, I understand that you want them to work right when you need it immediately. I get that. If that's what you want, then we need to understand you've got to be practicing them. You cannot just expect to pick up a baseball bat and be phenomenal at baseball. You can't just expect to pick up a volleyball or a basketball and just be phenomenal at those sports. You practice daily. And do not get me wrong, some people are really born with talent. Some people absolutely can have like an 80%. I can pick it up and just be fucking great. However, they still have that other 20% where they hone their skills. And I think that's some people can look at others in a pandemic and be like, how are these people making it? How are they doing it? How are they surviving? Like, what's going on? They may be that 80% that's like really being okay and, and working through it. However, they're still like, do not neglect that other 20% where you've got to put that work in. So looking at practicing your coping skills every day. I cannot say it enough. Do not call on a breathing exercise when you're freaked out. If you have not, excuse me, been practicing it, Mm -hmm. you've got to get that template, that roadmap set in your brain, that healthy choice set in your brain, the neuropathway formed to be able to choose that when you are in such a heightened state. Because you'll be able to just pull from your quote-unquote toolbox like effortlessly, right? You're still going to have to think, what do I need in this moment? But it's not going to feel like, oh my God, I'm drowning and there's nothing to help me because you have these tools already instilled and part of your routine. That's why I'm a big proponent of like journaling every day, meditating every day. It sets the tone for my day. If I were to miss, which I proudly 
will tell you that I have not missed in 110 days, and that's a really big deal. But anyways, if you were to yes. miss, do crazy, Let's right? Let's over that for a second, though. I crazy. literally just finished one of my, Target has those little three packs of journals. I just finished my second one. I've been doing it sporadically since June, but hardcore since October. I'm so fucking proud of you. It's such a big deal. Like, it is you a don't huge think that deal. It is until like finishing a journal, I feel like it's a big deal. You know, reaching these milestones of meditation, which the app that I use is called Insight Timer. It tells you yes. like what day you're on and it'll say like consecutive days and stuff like that. So I think that it's really important to recognize those things. But again, if you are practicing self-care and coping skills daily, you can pull from that when you need it. So if I'm having a shit day and I don't know what the fuck is going on, I can pick up a journal and I can write through what I'm thinking and then it makes sense to me. If I'm just trying to do it in my head, I am going to get confused and frustrated and I'm going to want to quit. Oh my God, that is my biggest freaking thing. Write it the F down. I cannot yes. tell my clients this enough uh, because you are going to be in your head and your brain is going to process those things faster than you can keep up of like, well, I'm a terrible mother. Yeah, you are actually. Blah, 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 and it's going to just <laughs> yeah, and spiral. Here's why. <laughs> and here's why. Uh, allow me to show you on a silver platter the <laughs> circumstances as to why you suck as a mother. And um, you know what? Let's take it a step further, a human being in general. No, write it down because half the time you get it on paper and you're like, wow, I'm being yes. dramatic. That's really yes. fucking dramatic. Like I'm yes. not a terrible mother. However, like writing it down is so huge because first of all, verbal diarrhea on that paper, do it, yep. get it out, get it out, get it out, get it out, get it out. The second part is go through, go back through that journal entry and recognize where's a cognitive error in here? Mm-hmm. Where, where is a really helpful piece of information that, Ooh, that's insight somewhere. That's what I can bring up with my therapist because everybody should be seeing a therapist. I don't want to hear it from anybody. It doesn't, you do not have to have something wrong with me. Go see a damn therapist. It's so healthy. It is so healthy. I've went and seen a therapist. I know Steph's went and seen that. We have, like, we're surrounded by great clinicians. Like, come on. It's 2021. Mm-hmm. Sister girl, we are seeing a therapist and taking yes. care of ourselves. However, anyways, back to the story. Well, no, I was going to say, too, with journaling, what I think is pretty amazing. And here's the thing. Journaling can look different for everybody. Yeah, right? It does not have to be like, dear diary, today I had a tuna sandwich for lunch, and Bobby said hi to me in the hallway. Like, and no, if you're 13, fantastic. cool. Great. Like, I used to journal like that as a kid of like, oh, my God, I cannot believe what happened at school today. So many boys are such jerks. Like, my no. mother is such <laughs> a jerk. I hate her. Like, what? Right. So, like, cool. If that's how you want to journal, that's great. Cool. Journaling can look like setting intentions. Journaling can look like manifestation. Journaling can look like I am statements. Mm-hmm. Journaling can look like whatever the fuck you want it to look like. But what I have found super helpful is, like, if because I journal every day, I can see patterns. So if today on February 6th, I woke up and I'm like, I feel like fucking shit today and I'm an irritable, irritable mess and blah, blah, blah. And I look back at January 6th and I'm like, oh, okay. So yes. this is part of my cycle where I'm a fucking lunatic and it's normal, quote unquote, right? <laughs> yes. But like there's quote unquote proof as to why I feel this way. Absolutely. Right? Or like Mari said, you can go back and challenge some of those things or figure out where all this shit's coming from to know that there's an underlying issue. Absolutely. And I fully believe, like, I am such a huge proponent 
of starting your day off with gratitudes. There is a mm-hmm. TED talk. I make every single client, every single client. And if you come to one of our master classes, it's part of the homework. I make every single client listen to a TED talk on YouTube about the happiness advantage. And so it talks about positive psychology and how that looks for your brain and for the scientific data that they have. And one of the ways to try to restructure the way that you view the world and that you view things of being happy and or upset or negative, like everything sucks, the world's best, blah, 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 blah. You journal three gratitudes daily that do not repeat and you try for 21 days. You continue it thereon and it will just continue to solidify that neuropathic way in your brain. However, 21 days to set that intention, that habit, that, that routine for you. It's huge. It's life changing. So many people think that it's like, well, I'm thankful for my life, my family, and my house. And right. I'm done. I don't have anything else. No, like some of my like easiest ones in the beginning were like, I'm thankful for fresh cut grass, like a fresh cut lawn. Ugh, the smell. I love it. I just I'm obsessed. Coffee. I'm a I love when all of my timing for the day works out. I love when I have a productive session. Um, I'm thankful for being able to have the insight and wherewithal to pack my lunch the night before so I save myself some time. Just whatever it may be that show that was showing up for you that day that you can say like this was awesome. This was a great moment because if you take if you look at the prior day and take the prior day's gratitudes and put them on your day that you are in the present day, you'll then frame your mind for this day, the day that you're presently in to look for the good things to be able to use the next day for gratitudes. And then we are consistently looking for positive things to show up in our life instead of the cognitive error of discounting positives like, well, it's never going to work. It's never going to this. You have no idea because you haven't given your chance yourself the chance to view those positive things. Well, I think over the last year, it would appear and seem that everything is going to shit, yeah. right? Like everything fucking sucks. The world is in chaos. Nothing is going to get better. Like these are all thoughts that I'm sure everybody has had because that's how it has felt at times. But you have to make the choice to change that perception. Validate yourself and say, you know what? Right now I don't have a lot of control, but it is what it is. Here's what I do have control over. Here's where I'm going to go with this, right? Here's what I'm going to do today. Here's what I'm going to be thankful for. Here's what I'm going to focus on that's going to make me a healthier person. Absolutely. And though there have been terrible, awful things that happened in 2020, for sure, there have been amazing, beautiful things that have also happened that we can't just throw away just because Mm -hmm. the bad, like the bad can outweigh the good. I understand that that doesn't mean the good didn't happen. And that doesn't mean that I have to, just because the volume of something is more that I have to pay attention to that more. I choose to continue to look at the positive things. Don't get me wrong. Steph and I, we are yin and yang. Steph is storms, rain cloud, dark horror, all that. And I am rainbows, glitter, sparkles, sunshine, beach, waves like everything like I love it that doesn't mean though that I don't have a realistic side that I understand that things are bad I choose it is my choice and will always be my choice to see the positive things that can come out of difficult situations because at the end of the day we have one life to live like we have one we're given one chance Mm -hmm. right and so you have to make a choice do you want to live it being mindful and being present and understanding that there are good things or do you want to live it you know stuck in the past or being hyper focused on what's not going well for you the choice is yours I love it 
I love, love, love it. So restructuring the way that you think, restructuring the way that you think, practicing coping skills um, before you actually need them. That should be a daily practice. Writing gratitudes, daily practice. Mindfulness, daily practice. Meditation, amazing. If you can't sit necessarily by yourself, do a guided meditation, daily practice. Mm -hmm. These are things you can do to take back control of your life when it feels like everything is not in your control. And mindfulness is going to take you from being, you know, up in the clouds and flighty and feeling like you're floating away like a balloon to back down to earth where you have to be. And mindfulness can look like sitting down to eat a meal and savoring every single bite that you're taking, actually thinking about what it tastes like, looking for certain colors of things while you're driving. You'll be surprised at what your brain pulls because you're focusing on it. Mm -hmm. Awareness exercises, asking yourself, why am I doing this while you're doing it? So one, Mm -hmm. I love to tell my clients, like, ask yourself why you're brushing your teeth. Well, I'm brushing my teeth because I want fresh breath. I want to make sure I don't have cavities. I want to avoid that pain. Um, I want to avoid that bill that possibly comes with it. Like it's just an overall good daily practice to show myself that I matter and I care about myself and that I'm taking care of me. X, Y, Z, there's so many reasons as to why we do certain daily tasks that we overlook that that's a mindfulness opportunity. Absolutely. So what I want to say, closing this podcast out, is if you are struggling, please feel free to reach out to Steph or I. Um, in our bio or somewhere we are going to, cause this is the second one. So we don't know where yet, but we are going to link our Instagrams, Facebook pages, personal, um, business pages. We both are accepting new clients, but then also you have the ability, if you have insurance, call your insurance card, the back, the number on the back, they are meant to be there to help you to find people or therapists that are in your area where you can get in and see somebody sometimes where you work has an EAP program where they pay for you to have six or eight sessions with a therapist. And just because they're free sessions doesn't mean that your therapist isn't like worth more than obviously a free session. Steph and I in a private practice have definitely done EAPs. It's just that that's what your job offers you. So take advantage of it because my saying is if it's free, it's for me. Hey, like (laughs) so please reach out, seek help because tomorrow needs And things, I know it like sounds so cliche, but like things can and will get better. I think part of it is just believing that that's possible. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, we can't wait to come back so you guys can listen to us again. And like she said, we will definitely be linking all of our social media accounts and how you can get a hold of us. We hope to have an email address where you guys can put in requests for episodes. We will gladly oblige as long as obviously they're appropriate. Yes. (laughs) And we hope to talk to you guys soon. Bye.